Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bookmakers.com. Welcome to the LSD Day Trippers um, in association with bookmakers.com. Um, I am Gav, that's Keith, this is Winners and Losers, and it's a World Cup edition. So there's only one man um, that I could bring on, and it is Keith, because his undying love for Argentina um, yeah. was spilled out of him last night. And um, yeah. now he's look, now he's uh, he's back to tell us all about the World Cup. And I was gone, we could have had other guests on, we really could, but I thought. No, we just got the two of us because Keith's going to have an awful lot to say. Judging on the eight-minute answer he gave me last night at the start of the show, he may have an awful lot to say. But Keith, the World Cup itself, there's been some really good bits of it. There's been some uh, a bit meh on other parts, and that's mainly down to the teams. It's gone off quite well with regards to the organisation, stadiums, the football, the whole lot. Obviously, there's other issues there with regards to human rights and everything else, and we'll probably touch on that at some stage. But... Um, we've we've kind of we've kind of picked three winners, three losers, but within those three of each, there's probably five or six things to talk about. Um, yeah. so where do you want to start? Do you want to start winners or do you want to start losers? Um, we'll start losers. Right. Okay. So why not? The, so the fourth loser you gave me was it was three of them. It was Germany, Belgium, and Spain. You had down as three losers. Yeah. Yeah. This. And when I read it, I thought mm, Spain. I might have a chat about them, but the other two most definitely um, just never got going. And I have my own opinions on the book. Go on, you shoot, because Germany, Belgium, Spain. Yeah, well, I was thinking of, you know, the big European teams, right? Italy didn't even make it. Um, and I know France get to the final and Croatia, the Netherlands get there. There'll always be European teams at the meaty end of these things. But when you go into the tournaments, 
you're looking at the big hitters, right, in World Cups, and you can never write out the Germans, muck. Belgium, muck. And I think Spain were muck as well. Spain started off the tournament with something like a 7-0 win, wasn't it? Um, yeah, against Costa Rica. Costa Rica. And just never done anything after it. And I was looking at that game and I thought, Jesus, these look okay. They've no striker, but they, they're playing well. And, and it just never really clicked for them after that. I was really, really disappointed. And I know, look, Spain got through. But I think that was a case of someone had to go through. Do you know what I mean? It was mm. it was them, Germany, Costa Rica, and Japan in that group. And they got through because they were in Costa Rica. And, and I thought they were bleeding dreadful. And the big European teams did not take this tournament by the scruff of the neck, in my opinion. Obviously, as we said, Croatia got there. Croatia are a great team. They've got great pedigree, but they're not a traditional powerhouse. They're not a mm. tradition, you know, World Cup. Uh, they only formed in 94 or 92 or something like that. So, you know, they're, they're not exactly um, one of the big hurts. Portugal flattered to the save as well. And a lot of that comes down to some of the other teams maybe being a bit more prepared. But before, before I was just talk, really disappointed with them. Well, before we touch on, before we go into a, in, a little bit into Germany, Belgium and, and Spain in a bit more detail, um, I think it was Chris Brack said there, it might have been Chris, I'll tell you now who it was. Um, it was, he said Uruguay in the loser category as well. Because yeah, I had that, them there as well. Just on Uruguay, just seemed to me like they didn't feel like playing games of football until they were behind. It was a bit mental. Yeah. There was no cohesion with Uruguay. Um, it's like he didn't have a plan. It was throw Suarez and Nunes in, throw Cavani and Maxi, um, Maxi Rodriguez, not Maxi Rodriguez, what's his name? I can't think of him. Maxi, I can't think of a Gonzalez or something. They were just throwing these lads in and didn't really have a plan. Now, when you look at the, when you look at the team that Uruguay had, I expected them to do really well because... Not necessarily because of Suarez or Cavani or even Nunes, but I thought Bentancourt and Valverde in midfield were really, really exciting, really intriguing, really interesting. But they just never really got into it at all. And, and yeah, you could put them into the losers. And I would have had, you know, there was more teams. I was just more looking at the big Europeans when I was throwing in them losers. But definitely Uruguay would go in there. Um, and when you think about it, right, Uruguay are in the group with, who are they in with? South Korea, Portugal, Ghana. Now, that's a tough group. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? When you think about that, that is a tough group. There's no mm. weak team in that. So there's probably no shame in going out. But they just never performed. Do you know what I mean? Like some teams went out, like Ecuador or another South American team. They were really good. Yeah. Came toward. Yeah. But do you know what I mean? That they had a go and they were in their games and, and they probably punched above their weight. So, yeah, Uruguay could throw into the losers. But there was a lot of big countries that really didn't didn't back her up. Whether it was down to poor management, which I do put down in Belgium's case, because he's a blatant con man. Spoo. Martinez. He's, yeah. he's a spoof for the highest order, that yeah. fella. And how he kept that job for so long is beyond me. Um, Hansi Flick at Germany. Look, I think he's a good manager, Hansi Flick, but he, they were blatant well, abysmal. I'll tell you what I felt with Germany. Anti O'Chill Ant, says... Um, Germany have absolutely disgraced themselves, in his opinion. He's quite patriotic for both his countries. He's 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 half German, half Australian. Yeah. And he felt so embarrassed by the whole political fiasco they brought into the tournament, which, of course, they put their hands over their mouth, didn't they, and stuff like that. But aside from that, right, when, for me, with Germany, when I watched them, they... It's all right having favourites, but they didn't play players to their strengths, from, for me. Like, Muller has been a brilliant player for Germany, right? But when you have the likes of Musiala, you have Nabri, right? 
you see Certainly. how much craft you have and pace that you have, mm. right? And it just didn't knit with what Muller wants to do. Like, don't get me wrong, Muller plays as a classic false nine and Nabry's on one side. I can't remember who was on the other side for them. Musiala. Left, was Musiala playing left-hand side? So, yeah. uh, now Musiala to me is more of a, feels to me when I watch him, more of a 10, right? Just because of the way he plays, he's a bit more, a bit more technical than an absolute raw pace. But if, if Muller plays as this classic nine, false nine, he drops in, he looks to knit things together, and he looks to get those two away. And I always think of it in the sense of Firmino or Liverpool with Salah and Mane either side of him. But Muller was just nowhere to be seen. No legs, couldn't press, couldn't hold the ball, and Musiala was trying to do it all on his own. And I was even looking going, just put a big fella up front. Put a big fella up front that's going to hold up the ball get it to the in, fellas in midfield and then play either side with Nabry or whoever it might be. But for me with Germany, Keith, and I don't know whether you agree, they just seem to find themselves in a situation where Muller had to play and it hurt them massively. Yeah, I like Thomas Muller. I think he's Brilliant a good player. player. Uh, and he's always been a good player. He's only 33. I think he's like 38. He's, he's been around for a long time and he has an Adam and Paul look about him. But... He's a good player, but you cannot go in. And they went into that. I was just checked it there. They went into that first game. Yeah, Musiala and Nabry were playing wide to Thomas Muller. And Kai Havertz is in front of them. Now, I like Kai Havertz. I like Thomas Muller. You can't have the two of them as your, your strikers. Because neither of them are strikers. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but, but the thing is, like, like uh, Kai Havertz has at times played up front for Chelsea. Right? So, he's a bit bigger than Muller. He's a bit he's more pace than Muller. Like... He's a bit more of a 10 in my eyes as well. But if, he, if he's going to play a false nine, just... Like, I'm not saying don't start Thomas Muller, right? But surely, Keith, half an hour into the first game, or even after the first game, you go, that's not working. And we get on to Argentina later. They looked at Letaro Martinez and went, that is simply not working. And he just brought yeah. in Alvarez. And look what happened. That's that, yeah. that's for me where Germany just stuck with what they had or stuck with what they were doing and didn't look to change enough for me. Their squad was brutal. That's that's the thing with the Germans. They they went in there and they were they were crying about, you know, no Timo Werner. Now look, Timo Werner gets a lot of stick from Premier League fans. Um but he's highly rated in Germany. But they had your man Nicholas Fulkrug. Full Fulkrug didn't know where that Bremen strike a big lump. Um and he comes in against Spain and he and he looks effective because he's a target man. But it was they were trying to play a style that didn't didn't suit them. Do you know what I mean? Germany from as long as I can remember, and look, we're around the same age. Um, you go back, Germany always had that sort of big striker, whether it was Klinsmann, whether Beerhoff. it was Rudy Waller, whether it was Beerhoff, whether it was Closer. Mm. There was always a central striker that they built everything around. And even go back fucking 40, 50 years, and you'll always find yeah. that. And they just don't seem to have it at the moment. You know, looking at their squad, they have so many players. You mentioned Musial. I think Musial is one of the best young oh, talents in world football. He's, he's, he's smashing this kid. Is Nabry is a good player. Leroy Sané is a good player. But they just didn't have the right blend. At midfield, Kimmich, Gundogan or Goretzka, they mixed and matched with them as well. You know, that should be a solid midfield. That should be able to do the business. Yeah, but if, but you, if you have Goretzka and Kimmich, right? Just, just an arm's If you have Goretzka and Kimmich, right? And you decide you want to play Leroy Sane, Leroy Sane left yeah. left side. You want to play Nabry right side, right? And you want to play Musiala in a ten behind a Havertz. That means that you have pace, 
right? You've an eye for goal and both of them boys off the right and left because they love scoring goals. You've Musiala who's craft, you know, he can play out left but he's playing as a 10. You have a Havertz that can drop in, right? So defensively even, he knows where to drop in and he can actually occupy people. Mm. But I just think Muller, it was just a case of he's standing up there and they're trying to play off him and teams just went, no, we're not having that. We're yeah. just going to smother him every time he goes near the ball. And he just it was too easy. Yeah, it was too it easy. It was too predictable. coming. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, usually Germany stunk it out in the last World Cup as well, didn't they? They were blatant brutal. Went out. South Korea, I think, knocked them out, didn't they, in the, in the last game? But it's two World Cups in a row now that they've been absolutely poisoned. And I don't know. Is, I haven't heard has Hansi Flick. Is he going to stay in that job? Because your man, Sniffy, fucking... Yogi Love, he was there for fucking years, yes. wasn't he? He was there for about 20 years. Yeah. Like, so they're not really in the game of, of chopping and changing too much, you know? Like, they, again, if we go back to France, Beckenbauer managed them in 90, well, West Germany in 1990. He only had a handful of managers, you know? So I don't know if they'll react. But it was poor, you know? And it, again, right, they're in with Spain, but they're in with Japan, they're in with Costa Rica. Nobody was looking at that as a tough group. Japan yeah. are a decent team. I like Japan, a decent team. But, but I wasn't Germany thinking Spain that. Spain should have with that group. You were looking at it as the easiest sort of, yeah. right, them two go through. And, and it was just bleeding poor from them. It was no plan. There was ch- I know they get beaten by Japan the first game and there's loads of chopping and changing then. Flick was just there. Antio Chill saying Flick is staying on to the Euro 26, which is being played in Germany. Again, I think he's a good coach, Flick. I just think he's maybe a bit too loyal to some players and... You, again, Thomas Muller, I'm a big fan, but they need something else there. You know, there's players all over that team. Manuel Neuer, he gets played an injured skin now. He's out for the rest of the season. Mm. They have to look at eventually replacing him in goal. Um, they At the back, like Sula coming in and playing right back's a bit weird. He's a big fucking heifer of a centre-half. Yeah. Um, there just seem to be square pegs and round holes all over the place in that German team and there was no machine about them. We all know like when we were again growing up 1990 World Cup, you're on 96, they were a machine. They were always a machine. And wherever they came out, even 2002, they weren't great around them. They get to the final, Mar- uh, Michael Ballack, you know, it was it was a, a machine again and they just didn't, they don't, they've gone away from that and it's sad to see in a way because Germany are a big country and they always do bring you, a lot to the, you, to the table. But you wouldn't have put a pass from the turn up at this World Cup, right? And go out and go, we're going to play like this. It's not the way we usually are, but we're going to absolutely drill ourselves in the way we're going to do yeah. this and get somewhere in the tournament. But you could see from the off, if they continue with, with Muller, um, it's just not going to work with the players around them. Um Look, we've touched on Spain. Spain get out of their group. Um, they're knocked out then by um, Morocco, isn't it? On, yeah. on penalties. And, and they started off great. And then the lack of a striker, I think they just wanted to play too much football. And that's usually what Spain do. But I want to go on to Belgium. Because yeah. um, I said it in the first game, um, Kev De Bruyne must be running around this place going, what's going on here? This is a fucking <laughs> joke. Because like, they're slow at the back. They're slow at the back. Um, yeah. They're pedestrian in midfield. And then up front, they just look tootless for me. You know, and yeah. you have players that aren't in form, um, aren't playing for the team, the looks, and I go as far as Eden Hazard and all that. And you're just kind of going, it's a coin, yeah, and it, it was, it felt like a bit of a farewell tour for me, for Belgium. Yeah. You know? And Belgium and, started that, didn't they? they? They beat Canada in the first game. But they, they beat Canada, but Canada, but Canada, Canada battered them. But Canada play on the halfway line. They're yeah. not concerned with Belgium running over the back of them. 
right? Lukaku doesn't play in that game. I think he's injured. Um, yeah. Is it Mwepu, is it? It's the guy up front. No, it's, it's your man um, that played for Chelsea. Batshuayi. 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 But there's a guy that comes on then and he's a striker and he's just fucking electric pace. But even at that, Canada go, yeah, we don't care. We're, we're, we're just going to play. And for me, it just felt like that felt as a spoofer. I completely agree with you. But it just yeah. felt a bit like a farewell tour, you know, like when you have like the two lads are sent out back and you're kind of going, where is this going? You yeah. know, and even the players who are bringing on, you're kind of going, oh, we've seen all this before. It, I mean, I'll run through their first game right against Canada and their lineup was Thibaut Courtois. And go, look, goalkeepers can go on, no problems yeah. with Thibaut Courtois. He's one of the best keepers in the world, as we found to our expense in the Champions League final. Their back three was Vertonghen, Alderweireld, and then Donker. Now, then Donker's the youngest in that gang by a mile. He's not very bleeding quick, you know what I mean? He's 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 a big, slow, twenty-seven years old. Just check there, you know. It's not mo. There's no quickness there. There's no pace. And in front of that, then they've Castagne off Leicester. They've Yuri Tielemans, Axel Witzel, and Yannick Carrasco. And so essentially, they've they're playing with a back three, two wing backs, and then Tielemans and Witzel. Now we Liverpool linked with Yuri Tielemans constantly, and and I've said it, and others have said it. I don't think he's mobile enough, certainly no. not for the Jurgen Klopp team, right? He's a good player, he's a good striker of the ball, he can pass, he's a, he's a tidy enough player, but he's not mobile. And Axel Witzel is not mobile. And their back three are mobile. Yeah, and, and their back three are mobile. Axel Witzel, yeah, he's 33 years old. You know, he's got miles, in his, miles on his legs. But that, that, there's no mobility there. Carrasco on the wing is fast, right? So you can probably say Castagna is a bit about going up and down. But that's the back three and the two midfielders. So who have they got in front of that? They've got Kevin De Bruyne and Hermé Eden Hazard. Now, Eden Hazard's the captain of that team. Mm. He's fucking finished. That fella's been finished for years. Yeah. How's he even in the starting lineup? But Never mind being the captain. Like a farewell tour. It's like, you know, when, like, it's like when the Eagles come out and say, this is the last tour. And yeah. then two years later, they go, no, this is definitely the last tour. You yeah. know what I mean? And, like, is, is, analogy, is the other like fella, fella still in the, in, in the job now, Martinez? Is he gone? No, he's gone. Is he gone? Is okay. Because yeah, um, I, I pay as little attention as I can to that fella, really, really. Yeah, but, uh, he's, a, he's a chance at that but, but But the thing is, right, I don't actually, as much as I don't like him, right, or I don't rate him, I don't know if another manager could have done an awful lot with them, simply because of the makeup of what they are. I don't think he has the balls to do that. Like, I'm looking at, again, looking at their squad, right, and on their bench for that first game, they've got Charles de Catelaire, and he's the the hot young thing at AC yeah. Milan, right? And there's your take fucking one of them out and put him in for a start. Leandro Trossard is excellent. Yeah. Now he comes in. And he's absolutely flying at Brighton, by the way. Yeah. He's a, he's absolutely yeah, he's he's a player that's on confidence. He's he's playing, he scores goals, he causes problems. Again, Liverpool have seen a fucking walks plenty his, of times this fella. Yeah. yeah, and he and he's hard. I think when I watch them, when I watch Brighton, especially against us. He's hard to pick up. He's a bollocks because you don't know where he's going to be. He doesn't stick to one position. He's always in between lines, yeah. whether it's between the blade and the fullback, centre back, whether it's between the midfield and the defence. He picks up these little pockets. He does everything that they think Eden Hazard can still do, and Eden Hazard can't do it. But they went with the big names. They yeah, went but, for the fucking big names instead of the, the hot hand. But you're right what you're saying. You have to take somebody out. You have to take a Witzel out. You have to take a Hazard out. Or um, the other guy you mentioned in midfield, right? Oh, Tielemans. Uh, Tielemans. You have to take one of them out if you're looking to walk hard. 
right? Yeah. So you either go and you say, right, I'm going to take out Eden Hazard and I'm going to put in Trossard. Or I'm going to take out somebody else and I'm going to put in the Cattler, right? Whatever, whoever it might be. But he sticks with this. And it's like, genuinely, it's like, it's like they didn't care. Now, Kevin De Bruyne doesn't cover himself in, in glory by any means. But I genuinely was looking at Kevin De Bruyne and going, he looked to me like a fella after 70 minutes going, I'm running and running and running here and nobody's yeah. helping. You know, and the funny thing is, they're like three Lukaku misses away from getting out of the group, I think. Do yeah. you know what I mean? It's it's absolutely insane, but he's but, gone. But again, that dresses it up because they were poxed against Canada. Canada yeah. should have had three penalties. Like they get one, uh, the, and Alfonso Day. But they get two stone, should have had two stone yeah. ballers after that that they didn't yeah. get. And they were absolutely steep to get that win. And after that, like they just never fucking done that. And like Morocco battered them in the second game. Yeah. Like fucking slaughtered them. Yeah. And then the third game, Croatia, like it's it's a damn squib. You know yeah. what I mean? They've nothing about them. And and as you said there, they needed legs and energy in that team. So the simple thing is you take one of them midfielders out, as you said, you put Kevin De Bruyne back in there with whoever else is in there. So you're getting a bit of goil and you put Trossard and the Catalan where Hazard and De Bruyne were and you let them do the bits up forward. Instead, they had lads. They had the Bruyne up there who looked disinterested. They had Hazard, who was geek, and they had Batshuawe, who was running around, he run around, run around. But, you know, they, they, they weren't getting it to him. They scored against Canada from a long ball that gets them, you know, gets him in past their defence. Their build-up play was atrocious. And they, they were the world number one or world number two going into this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? These the worst World Cup performances, in my opinion, and that I've seen in years. Yeah, because you talk about you talk about um, golden generations and England, the, that golden generation from what two thousand and two or around that time, and England are, you know, I think they go out in a World Cup quarter final, is it? Um, yeah. Or last sixteen to Brazil, it's the Ronaldinho thing in two thousand two, yeah. isn't it? But when you talk about this Belgium golden generation, I kind of look and go, well, that's what you're holding. Your, if that's what you're holding up there as your golden generation, fuck me, you know what I mean? Like literally torn up and had no ideas they they weren't willing to dog it out with anybody they weren't willing to run anyone they they weren't opening teams up it was just it was just mad to fucking see and you know what it's gonna take someone brave to go into that belgium squad to go in there and say to the likes of witzel and Tielemans or now and someone says there Tielemans 25 yes he says Tielemans is 25 yeah. and has already played 514 games That's he's been playing four teams since he's a kid he was wasn't he who was he at yeah. in Belgium he was he with was, um, he played he was with um was it Anderlecht and he went to Monaco yeah yeah and he goes to Leicester on loan and then Leicester buy him yeah. but yeah he's, he's got loads of miles in his clock but if you look at that Belgium are producing these young players and they're getting it. They're playing fourteen football, really, yeah. really young. Lukaku, Lukaku's playing for Anderlecht when you see him. But if, but if that's what I'm saying, if they bring in someone that's brave, that'll turn around and go, right, listen, uh, Alderweireld, um, yeah. Vertonghen, Witzel, maybe that's humans. It's 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 more many games he's playing. Hazard, um, even Batshuayi, whoever it is, he turn around and go, listen, you you might be in the squad, but you're not fourth choice anymore. You know, these guys are coming through and we have to reset here. But it's um it, it was just it was very it was very weird to watch. Um yeah. one of your winners, Qatar. Yeah, Qatar, yeah. Did interest me when I'm yeah, not, not, not as team a team itself. No. No, not as a team, no. And and not the sports washing thing. And look, we can we can all pontificate about it. It was a sports washing exercise. Let's be clear about that. The tournament started with the the chicken shit captains and I include our own Virgil van Dijk in this 
absolutely terrified of a yellow card and, and not wearing their armbands. I know people argued about this and, you know, it's not political, it's not blah, 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 blah. Qatar done that. They didn't want anything, you know, nothing to do with the, the one love, nothing terrible. I'll never agree with that. And the end of the tournament by putting the gown on Messi. Now, people are losing their shit over this because they put this bitch on Leo Messi as he's about to lift the trophy. Now, I didn't agree with it because I understand the sentiment of it. It's an honour to wear this. It, it, it signifies royalty and a warrior and all this sort of great warrior and all that. They could have put it on him maybe when he's getting the individual awards rather than... No one's ever done on the lifting of the trophy you know what no, I mean but no 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 one's ever from what I can from what I people know people were putting stuff up about Pele in 1970 had a sombrero but it wasn't when they were lifting the cup and he wasn't the captain it was when he was getting carried around the pitch but that beside the point of no sort of problem with you know doing that but for me it was just a highlight that this is what it's all about this was sports washing Qatar were making sure that they were seen as the winners because let's be honest that's the best World Cup in years that is oh, the best World Cup in years, on the pitch, and it's nothing to do with their organization. No, no, it. no. On on the pitch, like we we seen video footage before of like these fucking gazebos, like you know, with people. This is where you're living and stuff, or this is where you're yeah. staying and stuff like that. And then, you're, in fairness, to, to be balanced, there was people reporting from Qatar saying, "No, uh, place we're staying is great. You're able to get a drink within your hotel, and it's you know, people coming back with real, um, with real." positive stories over yeah. their experience over there right now your positive experience is probably is tempered by what you're allowed and what you're not allowed to do and if you stick within them realms you'll have a good time you know like yeah. very few people arrested we've seen all that stuff come out right and that's brilliant with, but i agree with you on the captain stuff right because wearing an armband like that is not political right yeah it's just not political um you know if i don't know like if, if you turned up in if you turned up in, in America in four years and had an anti-gun um, armband, would they stop you? I don't think they would. You know, the sort of way. Um, and look, I agree with you on the thing. The captain should have all just come out and said, we're wearing them if you want. Yeah. And in fairness, Virgil van Dijk, Harry Kane, I think maybe Hazard, the big, a couple of the bigger countries. But they probably should have got all together and said, listen, we're all wearing them. Qatar won't, but... We're all wearing them and see where it goes. You know the sort of way, but yeah. just Europeans, was it? Do you think Qatar comes out as this is a winner though? I do. I, yeah, I, I, I think I think on a footballing sense on the pitch, I'm looking at that World Cup and going, "That's a brilliant World Cup." But I don't even think about Qatar. I and know, I, but I, I kind of walk away from it going, "Yeah, it was a great World Cup, but Qatar is still fucking whatever, whatever this, whatever that." You know, when I mean? when I put Qatar in as a winner, it was sort of tongue in cheek, nearly in the sense that. They, they achieved, I think, what they wanted to achieve. They got rid of the, the one love stuff. They weren't going to have a bar to that. It was a success in the sense that there's no hooliganism, there's no drunkenness, there's none of that. That's all brilliant. That's the laws. If you have a World Cup in a Muslim country, they're the laws of the land. They changed it at the last minute, which was shady as fuck. But, you know, success in that sense. The fact they got that robe, that bitch on Messi at the end was the sort, was that's what they want. That's what sports washing is. Qatar look fucking brilliant. This has been great. And I wanted that World Cup to fail because of the 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 um the treatment of same sex uh, couples. I, I just don't agree with it in any way, shape, or form. And, as well as that, and, and, and the big thing is is the the workers that build the yeah, stadium. Yeah, migrant, and, and that's without even getting on to that, the yeah. amount of people that do it. And, and I was on Twitter the last few days and people were trying to say, you know, oh, well, 
what what happens if in America, if someone in four years and they put a cowboy hat on, on the winning captain? Well, America already held the World Cup and he didn't put a cowboy hat on fucking Dunga when he lifted the World Cup. Do you know what I mean? So, again, it, it shouldn't have happened in my opinion. I understand why he wanted to do it, but that to me was Qatar. The Emir of Qatar, I don't know the chap's name, um, saying this is what we're going to do that. And it, it, it was probably done maybe it was done with the right intentions and the right thing and all that and i can understand muslim people appreciate this and respect this a lot more than we do here uh, we don't understand the traditions but to me that was the sort of qatar making sure that they got that stamp on the world cup with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This was a brilliant walk. That's the best World Cup final you see in fucking God knows how long. It was the fairy tale World Cup. I had everything. And the reason I put them as a winner was because they went and came out of that where people are talking about the best World Cup, the best World Cup. It's a winter World Cup. It shouldn't even have been happening now. You know what I mean? They've they done everything to get it their own way. And I think they're going to come out. There's, there's too many people driving the propaganda that it's been a great World Cup because of Qatar. It hasn't been a great World Cup because of Qatar. It's been a great World Cup because the winter element of it, well, I don't like winter World Cups. Players were going in there fresh in the middle of their seasons. They were hitting the ground running. That's what I found was a, a big plus. They weren't going off in training camps and, and this show and all that and easing their way in. They went in and they hit the ground. And I felt that what I did, it was a very good World Cup on the pitch. But I think Qatar will be remembered. I mean, again, look, I know I love old stuff, history and all that. The, the Russia controversial World Cup, the most controversial one was Argentina in 78. Yes. Right? So there's a military junta going on there and, and they're a military kill. They're killing people, any people that are dissenting against them, they're killing them, they're disappearing them. And that is still spoke of as a shady tournament and one that... And the FIFA you know, documentaries that come out recently... Is, yeah, they don't hide the fact... Yeah, they don't hide the fact that, it, that that happened. And I think Qatar will will probably have that, whether it's right or wrong. Look, I, the no alcohol, the no violence, the no hooliganism... That's so blatant unique in a, in an international tournament. Yeah, but 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 you see, that's that's where you that's where I think you the, the line is kind of grayed on on traditions. Like if I turn up in Qatar, right? If I turn up in Qatar, I know I can't do A, B, and C, right? I don't know what 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 you can do walking down the street with your wife, your girl, whatever it might be, right? Um, and obviously homosexuality and stuff like that, right? And you know, there's certain aspects of it where you go, that's tradition and that's their, that's the world you're in, okay? But at the same time, the FIFA World Cup is torn up in your country, which means that the world family of football is yeah. turning up. So you have to respect the whole family as well. Yeah. Like, you know, it'd be like, look, it'd, it'd be like going back to fucking, you know, the, the 20s in America and America turning around going, well, no black players complaining. That's yeah. their tradition. No, the, you know, they're only slaves here, right? So that's their thing. And, and that's ne we're never going to turn up and play in that World Cup. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Now, 
by all means respect tradition and, and don't be going over to be an arsehole to get yourself in trouble just yeah, for the sake yeah. of it. But at the same time, if a player wants to turn up with a certain armband on because it's the, it's the family of football, you know, I'm sure there's plenty of gay people at that at that tournament. You know, they're not they can't outwardly be gay in that country. And listen, if that's the way it is, that's the way it is, right? But at the same time, if you're bidding for this World Cup, right? FIFA yeah. and the world should be saying to you, well, listen, hold on. And it's not just Muslim countries, by the way. It could be something in America that they're just mad about or Canada or Mexico, whoever's holding the next, right? Where, listen, hold on, just to let you know, these are up, all these people are going to turn up. You're going to have to relax a little bit on this. Otherwise, we can't bring the world game to you. Yeah. Because then it's not the world game, is it? Russia were dragged it's, over it's, the coals over it as well. Yeah, but it's a fractured was... game then. It's a fractured yeah. tournament then. And you know, and what? people get annoyed about it and say it's virtue signaling. It's in the chat there. It's virtue. It's not virtue signaling. It's right. It's it's correct. Do you know what I mean? It, it is the world game. It is the people's game, and everyone should be allowed to do it. And and wearing a t-shirt or wearing a, an armband or wearing whatever, you don't want to ram these things down people's faces. And and you do have to respect these uh, the the rights. You know what I mean? But at the same time. It has to go two ways. Do you know what I mean? There has to be respect for everybody coming into the country and there has to be respect for people going into a country. And, and that's where I think it fell down. But I think Qatar come out of this smelling of roses because, again, nothing to do with their organization of it at all. But it was exciting. I had action. I had oh, drama. I had the fairy tale. It'll definitely and, go down as one as where, you know, people go, what, wasn't that a great woke up? Oh, the Qatar woke up was brilliant. But I don't yeah. think it'll be, like, it wouldn't be like, as an Ireland fan, going, the 1990 World Cup was great, wasn't it? Because yeah. we all had a fucking great time. It'll just be, because it's actually the opposite. Ireland played horrific football. We just had a great yeah. time. Whereas, you know, I'm sure countries this year, I've seen their country play great and just kind of not happy with what's gone outside on outside of the stadium. Um, yeah. To put it kind of that way. But all right, I'll, I'll let you go with Qatar. Um, let's stick with a winner, though. Um, African football. Yeah. Because Morocco. He, again. Oh, Africa and, and Arab football, right? So, w- look, we all know Africa, it, it's a huge continent, obviously, but there's different sort of layers to it. And you've got your North Africa and sort of yeah. Arab side of it. And for Morocco to become the first team of from Africa to get to the semi-final, um, I thought it was brilliant because well, I think they deserved it. I think they deserved it. It wasn't a case of them scuttering their way. And I know there was games when they didn't really play the ball and didn't, didn't want to know... But they worked their bollocks off, and and there was something about them. There was a vigor, a vigor, sorry, and verve about them, and I really, really enjoyed watching them all the way through that tournament. And I was hoping they'd get to the final and get battered by Argentina. Don't get me wrong, but I was hoping they'd get there. But the fact they got to the semi final was huge. You know, an African I'm team to get France, there. By the way, yeah, hundred oh, percent. And the thing is, like people go, oh, like Shani didn't like them at all. Shani was like, no, <laughs> you know, they're this and that. And, but the way it is, right, we're at the time of Germany, what, 20 minutes ago, and we're yeah. saying Germany turned up with no plan and no. didn't try and put anything into place. Morocco absolutely did. Morocco yeah. came in and went, we're, we're, we're so, they were so well-drilled. Like, when they didn't yeah. have the ball, they were so well-drilled. Like, up until that semi-final, I think, the only goal they conceded was an own goal, right? Yeah. It was mad, right? Crazy. But, but they were so well-drilled, and on top of that, they had players up the top of the pitch that were some are physical, some are brilliant footballers and the likes of Zoyech and stuff like that. Yeah. And some of them are just fast. And they had yeah. a lovely mix where they they all them lads that were fast and physical and, and, and technical 
got back into shape and made it so hard for you. But it wasn't like they were just sitting back on. I just sit back, sit back, sit back, and don't attack. Every chance they got, they went for you. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they, they were confident they were going to get themselves back into shape. That was it. If you want to go up that way, fine. But you better get back here or someone is going to have a severe war with you. And the looks like Hakimi, they, they, they were brilliant. But you know, they they done it with uh, their, their defence was like a blade minefield. The players were getting injured left, right and centre. And they were having to How take your man out, Sass you know? made it to the semi-final was beyond me. He should have been out two games before yeah, that. Yeah. And and the other fella agreed as well. And they were they were both injured and they're bringing in that third and fourth choice centre backs. And one of them only had like about six six caps. And they were playing Maserawi as well as playing left back because Hakimi's just an absolute savage at right back. He's coming on and plugging in and out with the other left backs. They were absolutely putting plasters over their defence all the way through it. And they were fucking deadly. They had energy. And look, another, you know, uh, surprise package for me was obviously Saudi Arabia. They don't do that after the Argentina game. But they played with that pace and that sort of um, momentum as well in the sense that they were quick, they were hungry, they wanted to do it. And I thought this was a big tournament for for the sort of Arab and African uh, teams. And, you know, no, no more so than Morocco. It's, it's a fairy tale stuff. The fact they got to there, you know, it's we look back so the famous one was that Ghana were robbed by Luis Suarez and I'm gonna be honest hands up one of my favorite World Cup moments ever and that's no disrespect to Ghana it was just the absolute shithousery and win at all costs of Luis Suarez is just brilliant Morocco got there they deserved it they were playing great stuff they were hard to be and to see them doing it it just put and that's why you know the World Cup was excellent because uh, I think someone said in the chat there, it could have been Rory said, you know, the, uh, the group, last round of the groups was great, but the knockouts were terrible. I didn't think so. I think there was the Morocco story and all that was driving it through and there was other games, there was other, there was little stories all over the place and they just had so many little fairy tale moments in there that they, you know, we spoke about Zoyech, he's a quality player, hasn't done it at Chelsea, but he is a quality player, bit of, bit of craft about him. Hakimi played light and quick. Um, Shawnee's mate in the midfield, Amrabat, who he bleeding through under the bus, thinking it was his brother. Yeah, um, Wofford fella. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was good, but they, they had other lads, yeah, man. Oh, now, oh, now he was that's named the, the number eight, the midfielder, yeah. and he's playing somewhere, bleeding Scaldi in France. Yeah, quality, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, just all action, no stop. And I just thought he was bleeding. And your man's goal as well, um, in the series, the Portuguese in the Portugal game, ah. when he does a Ronaldo basically, he's well played knife foot in the air. Ah, I was ridiculous. And he's just getting on now. The keeper was geek, we know that. Yeah. But uh he was up it so was high. just yeah, he was up so high hanging, and he's not a great striker, you know what I mean? His his goal record isn't isn't great, but he ran the fuck out of himself. Yeah. And you know, that was epitome, the epitome of Morocco in this tournament was hard work and just never stopping. And like I said, I was good they didn't get past France um, in the semi-final. I thought they were the better team for most of it as well, to be honest. But, you know, semi-final, a great, great return for them. And, you know, a victory for, as you say, African and Arab football. I think that was certainly a highlight of the World Cup for me. But we, we've seen in 2010 when South Africa got it. And, you know, it was a massive thing for South Africa. Not only because it was it was an African World Cup, but what had gone on in South Africa for the, you know... Yeah. 30, 40, 50 years previous to, to then turn up with a World Cup was 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 ridiculous like to, to see and it was a bar the Vuvuzelas it was a I really good tournament yeah but, but to see to see it in Africa I thought was brilliant 
Do you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and but and and we seen people talk that as the new dawn for African football, you know, and and it kind of hasn't gone on. But I think what Morocco's done there is they've showed that if you turn up, now don't get me wrong, they've really good players. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But if you if you turn up and back yourself to be solid and brave to a certain extent, where when we win the ball, we're gonna try attack, but we're gonna absolutely give every last sinew to get to get back and cover ourselves because that's what it was all about if you watch them they break right and as soon as that ball goes out and it's a goal kick or a keeper gets it they're all boom back in position yeah. they're, 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 yeah. no one's switching off no one ever switches off from Morocco they're back no. every single time so I, but I as we said about them. other teams Gav the ones that didn't have a plan that didn't bother their arse that went in there thinking they were Billy Big Balls and just got thumped Morocco organisation just fought for each other, deployed everything else. It was just, I was great to see. Loved yeah. it. Was well, great to see. Um, you you would have noticed at the very start and on your screen at the minute um, that we have got a new sponsor for the for the channel. It is bookmakers.com. Now, when we take on sponsors, some people like them, some people don't like them. All right. Um, it's hard to get sponsors that everyone likes. The first thing yeah. I will say is if you don't gamble, that's absolutely fine. If you do gamble, always gamble responsibly. Um, bookmakers.com are not a bookmakers they don't take bets what they do is they give potential customers the, the, the best place to go if you want to gamble okay so you can go on to bookmakers.com um, there's a lot more to the site actually than just going in and going oh where can I get mm-hmm. you know the best sign up offers and stuff like that there's, there's so much stats and stuff like that in the Premier League which I was looking at earlier um, and they, they can give you the you know um, like I can I can try show you here as, as, to, as to what it looks like but you know it, I, I kind of really enjoy going through this website earlier. So um, you can go in here and you can go to the likes of Premier League lineups and you can go down here and you can have a look at Liverpool's stats. It gives you all the stats yeah. on Liverpool, where they are, many games they play, goals conceded, red cards, possession. Um, it sh- will show you offers with regards to if you want to sign up for one of these. It gives you the best. They're playing Villa, obviously, on the 26th and it gives you the best offers where you can get on a home win and away win and stuff like that. So, But what I would say is that um, they've been very good to us in, in um, helping us with regards to what we want to build and how we want to get bigger and bring you more content and stuff like that. So um, they are going to be our sponsor for the rest of the season. Um, we've, I, I'm really excited about, since talking to them as to um, what way we're going to go with this. Um, but as I said, if you, if you don't gamble, absolutely fine. If you do, please gamble responsibly. And if bookmakers.com interests you with regards to gambling or finding out stats do you know what i found out today i was looking it up and you can get um the stats on certain players right if you go into liverpool you can get stats on liverpool players like goals assists whatever it might be i was actually looking at players going oh could i put him in me fancy football um so that's where i kind of got into that but <coughs> everything is covered on it if you want go and check it out um bookmakers.com and you can they have got their own youtube channel as well where they preview um football Golf, horse racing, all that sort of stuff. And we're going to try to get involved with them once a week with regards to previewing some Premier League stuff. So there you go. Um, go and check them out. Um, let's get back to some losers, though, Keith. Because um, yeah. losers are the ones that kind of annoy us. So there's two left. Brazil. Yeah. Brazil went into this tournament as the favourites, right? And they had the... People are constantly saying of oh, the best squad, the, the depth is there in every position. Brazil, 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 Brazil. I thought they were fucking brutal. Um, really disappointed with them. And I'm a bit of a, of a touch of the Roy Keynes about really it. Solid throughout and just look like you're going yeah, to the they, they wanted to. They, 
but they didn't go up the gear. That's what I that's what I felt with them. There was always a I don't know, they were always flattering to deceive. Look, I cannot stand Richarlison. He makes me skin crawl. He yeah. fucking I don't like him as a human being, as a footballer, anything. And and the fact that he's Brazil's main forward just fucking irks me, right? He, he was good in this World Cup. He scored some great goals. But I just felt he went in as the favourites, right? And they were going in and a bit of Roy Keane's in it. I don't mind the little celebration when you score a goal. They bleed now, I've done it in that South Korea game. And the fact that Richarlison was having a dance and then went over to have a dance with the manager, I'm like, this is doing my head. I want these fuckers out of this quickly. Quick, sharp, get them out. Um, so me and Roy Keane are in the minority on that one. You know, the... the the fucking mood hovers that we are, get the fun out of this, get the get the thing out. But Brazil, for me, going into every World Cup, are always, you know, up there as the, the highlight. Whoever they are, whatever team they have, you're always looking for that. And Neymar, he splits opinion, you know, he splits opinion, but he does have a bit of magic about him. Nah, not for me this time. He scored a nice goal against Croatia and all, but... There's just something, you know. Owen Borg there, Richardson and Anthony, two very unlikable characters. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a few in that squad that that I'm not too fond of. I, I, I think they went in. Marquinhos is good. Thiago Silva is a, a decent player. You know, he's still good at his, for his age. The fullbacks didn't do anything for me. The midfield didn't do anything for me. And their forwards thought, didn't do anything for I me. Thought, I thought he looked... Sometimes you can be you can be you can be roped in too much on the whole samba football stuff, and you're waiting to see that. Yeah. And if they don't do, it, you're kind of going, "Well, this isn't Brazil, right?" And that's fair enough. If you've watched anything like the 1970 World Cup, like ridiculous, right? And you know, World Cup since. But I kind of looked at it when they won that first two games, and I think they played was it the first two games they won, and then they go and they they change it around, and I was kind of looking, going, "Fuck me, they have strength off the bench." Mm. As much as you might like Anthony, he looked good, right? Um. You had uh, the guy that's with Barcelona now, Rafinha. You know, you had all these players, and you're kind of going, Jesus, you know what? They have strength, you know, that and game changers off the bench. And it was just like, I got more confident over Brazil as the group went on. And then they come out of, they come out of the group, and you're kind of thinking to yourself, these would be really fucking good because they haven't hit any sort of gear. They've looked fairly solid, fairly robust. They have got game changers. And if they can click it up a gear or two at the right time here, they'll be tough to beat. But they should, they should be Croatia. But Croatia just stick in there and stick in there and stick in there, and Brazil just don't have an answer. And when yeah. it goes down, and then you, I always fancy Croatia in the penalties. They, they beat them on penalties, don't they? Because yeah. I, I always fancy them because a bit like last night when when I went to penalties, I actually fancied France in the penalties despite Enzo Martinez. Because did you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, t- I'll tell you why. Um, I'll tell you why. Because the the pressure on South American sides to win the World Cup is unreal. I was only saying it to my daughter mm. here yesterday, who's kind of got into football. She's not. A f- she kind likes football, but she really got into the World Cup. Kind of what games on tonight and who are playing and stuff like that. She's never done that. But I was trying to explain to her that listen, France are under pressure, but trust me, the pressure is tenfold on Argentina. The same way would be with Brazil, and that's why I fancy Croatia in those penalties because I just thought. Brazil's players will just have the weight of the whole country on them. Whereas Croatia's, yeah, they'll have they'll have pressure. But, you know, if we win, great. If we lose, look, that's the way it goes, you know, for a country so small. But, yeah, I just, maybe they just flat to deceive at the right time. 
Yeah. And I just, you know, it seems harsh. You know, I've seen worse Brazil teams than this, but I just felt that they were sort of all four-coated now, knickers about them. Like, there was loads of dancing, there was loads of chirping and loads of this and that. But they weren't great. Do you know what I mean? Like, they weren't great. And I didn't like their squad. Allison's in goal. I didn't fancy them in penals. I was out my Christmas day looking at that. And uh, I said at the side, I said, the, the Croatia keeper's having the game of his life. And Allison's not a great player. Penal uh, goalkeeper. So that's why I put it down. I always look at the keepers and these things and what can you do. But I do, I do agree. There'll just be pressure on them. You know what I mean? The pressure on some of these teams is, is huge. But I just think this Brazil team, TJ goes in there and, you know, yeah, everyone's talking, you know. Like, like there's this argument that, you know, Messi, Ronaldo, blah, blah. They're trying to make one with Ederson and Allison. There's no comparison there. Allison is fucking light years ahead of Ederson, so you can put him in there. But I just felt that squad could have been better. I don't. I think players didn't get enough uh, minutes. I think they switched them all up, don't they, in the third game, yeah. and they get beat. Lads get fucked on their buses and all that. They do get beaten, but in the first half of the game, they look, they look, I thought they looked really good. In, yeah. in, in, in that, in taking that for what it was, Tour group game, you've made a lot of changes. I thought they looked really bright. And at times, it was just, they were so good in, in transition, and it was like, Jesus Christ, if, they, if you drop one or two of these into the actual first eleven in a game where you need to win, they look like they can make an impact. But like you said, I think I just think if it gets down to a really tight spot and it comes to Brazil and Argentina, that's all my only doubt over them. It's just the pressure is so fucking big on them that it can go either way and Brazil failed. Um, last loser, because I'll leave the, the, win, the yeah. last winner to the last. Ah, right? yeah. Gareth Selke, you have down as a loser. For me, Selke, you know, Maguire doesn't have a terrible 
he doesn't have a Maguire plays better for England than he does his club yeah, football. He does, he them. does. But the, but the thing is, you're talking about bravery here, right? Now, bravery means that you're going to let your midfield play football and you're going to let your fullbacks attack, right? Any centre half can look good, Keith, if your two fullbacks are fucking glued to their side, right? Yeah. And, your, and your fella at the midfield is glued to the front of them. Anyone can look good, Keith. Anyone. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I do. And I can understand with the Trent thing that, you know, Trent, whether we like to admit or Liverpool channel or Liverpool fans, he's a system player. You know what I mean? And, and the system at Liverpool is built around more so him than Robertson, but they're not conventional. Robertson's more of a conventional fullback, an attacking fullback, but a conventional fullback. Trent isn't. And I wouldn't expect a bleeding, a cabbage like Gareth Selkay to understand how to use a player like Trent because he's not a fullback. He's not going to sit in a back four and, you know, be solid in his battles. We've seen him do it fucking loads of times, but Selgate wants more than that. He wants Kyle Walker to be recovering, to cover for his other players, and that's what he wants. But I, I can't get over the fact that Phil Foden doesn't, isn't pivotal in that team. Do you know what I mean? I just can't get over how... And look, we can all, Man City, I don't like him. Phil Foden, don't like him. You know what I mean? Look, I think he's a little chipper. He's a great player. He's a great player. And it's all well and good saying, oh, we built it around Jude Bellingham and we built it around individuals like Harry Kane, blah, blah, blah. You have Phil Foden there, who's one of the most exciting English talents from an attacking point of view that you'll see. And he's out of that team for Raheem Sterling. I know Raheem Sterling... I'm sorry, he doesn't do it for me. He's he's on a blade downward trajectory, but, but see, that fella. But the thing is, Keith, Gareth Southgate walked himself into a, a, a situation when he was asked why he didn't pick Tommy Tammy Abraham. Yeah. And he and, and his reason behind Tammy Abraham was, oh, he's lost a bit of form over the last couple of months. Yeah. And straight away you're looking at Trent, you're looking yeah. at Harry Maguire, and you're looking at others. Yeah. Right? And you're saying to yourself, well, hold on. He's lost a bit of form. Kyle Walker hasn't been playing for Man City. Yeah. He's been injured. So how are these? Don't get me wrong. If you'd have turned up a Harry Maguire and Kyle Walker for Ireland's sake and not played them from the start, you'd have said, well, look, yeah, they've been out of the team, but they've done well from in the past, so he's keeping them there. That's that's a sensible thing to do. But he completely negates his argument when he turns up and plays Harry Maguire, and listen, Harry Maguire does absolutely fine, but the problem is beyond Harry Maguire. It's what you're doing to compensate for player yeah. A, B, and C. Phil Foden ends up coming on in the first game, and I think he ends up starting the think, every game since after that, right? And, I, and my opinion was the further England go, the more impact Phil Foden would have on this. But he just stuck him out on the left, right? With a fullback that didn't want to support him. So he's literally against two fellas all the time. And Declan Rice, he should have started Declan Rice and Joe Bellingham as a two midfield and put Foden ahead of them, right? Because Declan Rice, for me, doesn't play well in a six on his own. He's lost. No. He's hovering around. Whereas when he's with Suchek at West Ham, he has that side of the pitch. Suchek has that side and he walk between them to cover it. Rice, particularly when England had the ball, just didn't impress me at all. But you could probably give him some credit, Keith, that he was a bit braver. In, in saying, right, let's try to get Bellingham released in midfield by bringing Henderson in instead of sitting two in front. But it, it, it's just all over the place for me in, in what he's in what he wants to achieve with those players and where he's putting them. And he doesn't react. 
They're yeah. actually the better side, and they go two one down, and he doesn't react properly. Like yeah, Grealish, it's Grealish, Grealish is coming on with ninety seconds left. What's the fuck? And whether you like Grealish or not, you're bringing him and you're bringing James Madison in your squad, and you're bringing them players because they're craft and they're goal, and that they can give you that little bit of spark that you need. And he doesn't use them enough. And look, it's it's his job, it's his gig. He'll say, you know, the the results have gone up since he's gone into that job, but they're getting to the point where they should be. I mean. That home Euros, they should have been winning that. You know what I mean? That was a bleeding disaster class. This World Cup, rarely see an easier group than what they got. And then Senegal in the next next round. You know, that path was just boom, boom, boom. And every time they come up against a proper bleeding side, they can't get over the line. And you're right, they were better than France. They were better than France in that game. And that was there for them. But... He doesn't have the. He's like Roberto Martinez for me. He's, he's he's holding back a team of players that that should be getting more out of them, because he doesn't have the minerals himself to be getting over that line. But I just find him. I think he's a, a manager who holds back his his talent. But because he's he's getting you know he's doing a seven or eight out of ten, it looks good for him, and that's all he cares about. Do you know what I mean? He's a self preservation merchant, and I don't know. I just never. Um, I'll never give credit for him because I think he's holding back that group of players. And look, they've a young, young group of players. I hope he gets a ten-year extension and and ruins them because I don't want to see them winning the World Cup. But they have a seriously, seriously talented squad and players coming through. And you know, the right manager there can do serious, serious damage. And he's well, not it. What, what he's I'm not saying, it. What I'm saying is, my thing on it is right. Megan says Southgate's loyalty to. Certain players will be England's downfall. He won't get the best out of Trent Foden and whoever else, right? But my my whole thing on this is, I'm not telling you if Kyle Walker's a bad fullback, right? He's a good fullback. He's lightning fast. He's okay going forward. But he's able to carry the ball. He's really good, right? What I'm saying is, if you want to service Harry Maguire or Harry Kane, right, and you want you want your wingers to, to be killers, right? What you need is you need supply from your fullbacks. Or centre of the park, right? And I'm not telling Gareth Southgate to go. I don't give a fuck what Gareth Southgate does. To be perfectly honest with you, but I'm I'm not telling Gareth, I'm not telling Gareth Southgate to go and do what Liverpool do. But if you look at the way teams play football nowadays, when they're brave and they can just overwhelm teams, it's what Man City and it's what Liverpool do, right? Because they're your two biggest um, examples as in, as two English sides, right? They fullbacks that want to go like. Walker plays fucking right midfield for Man City. Mm, yeah. And Cancelo on the other side is like an inside left, right? Yeah. And Phil Foden is in that team, right? And then you have Henderson in a team where Trent plays, right? So if you turn around and you say, listen, we're going to, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to go with Trent and we're going to go with Chilwell, right? Who both love to get forward, right? Okay, there might be an issue there because Harry Maguire is really good if we have two in front of him, but we might do something else. Fine, go and play tomorrow. Right, mm. go and play someone fast, and in, in the front, in front of them, you don't trust Declan Rice on its own. Okay, put him in beside Bellingham because Bellingham is able to play. For me, in my opinion, he's yeah. able to play in the two and go. Oh, you want me to link up with Trent down the right here and Foden coming off and Kane going this way and and or Saka or whatever it might be. They would demolish teams, right? Yeah. And the big fear in the back of his head is when he loses the ball, can we get it back? Trust me. We watch Liverpool play and you watch Man City play. They don't care about losing the fucking ball yeah. because they absolutely 
annihilate teams to the point where all teams want to do is get rid of the fucking ball. Right? Yeah. And I know you're coming up against good international sides. I get that. But trust me, in an international game, right, if you are playing that much football and you are so on top of these and you have so many threats, right, where their winger's having to come back onto the edge of his own box because if he doesn't, Trent's taking that ball and he's putting on people's heads all day and Chilwell's quite good with his um, delivery as well. They can't be in two places at once. So if your team's willing to work, if England are willing to work hard going the other way, they'll have most of the ball. But I'm telling you, he'll stay on. You won't see Trent playing. He'll stick with what he has and he'll just hope that one day that ball might fall for him. And that's that's his whole outlook on this. A ball might fall for him. Whereas if he took yeah. the initiative against France and went, I'm bringing on Grealish, I'm bringing on... Not, I'm not even saying Trent Alexander. If I bring on Grealish and I bring on another player whoever it might be and I'm going to go for this right he would have beaten France no yeah. doubt in my mind he would have beaten France but that's what they're with you know they're saying oh we got to a quarter final we got to a semi final yeah you did you did yeah but what nothing came out of it and the funny thing is right Jurgen Klopp loses finals for Liverpool and that same media will tell you yeah. he's a loser He's this, bottler. he's that, he, he's a bottler, he's everything else. But Gareth Southgate got us to this, that, and the other. As if, as if they're like a fucking team or, or a country with a million people in it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Morocco, it's, for fuck's sake. And it's, it's absolutely, it's it's mad for me to look at, but listen, that's where they are. Right. Winners. Winners. It's just Messi and his mates. Yeah, but there's loads of them. And that's that's the thing. Yeah, it's not just Messi. Your fucking list, didn't I? Yeah. So... The winners, the big winners of the tournament is Messi, right? Because it it's what the thing is all about. It's what football is about. It's what fandom is about. It's what we watch football for. We enjoy football is to see players like that, players like Maradona, players like Pele winning the big one. And make no mistake, he's up there with them. Now, it's not just Messi because if we're being truthful... Messi's not the player he was. You know what I mean? He's not running. He's conserving energy. He's... He's, you know, he's, he's quite static when they're when they're in defensive positions. But he comes alive, and, and that's what he's brilliant at. But if you look at that team, we spoke about this before on this this show on this channel numerous times. Emmy Martinez coming into goal for Argentina is the biggest thing that's happened to them. It's the biggest thing that's happened to Messi. And all you have to do is watch Messi when they're playing games. If they win in penalty shootouts, if they if they um you know, makes big saves, he's always over to Martinez because he knows a good keeper can do fucking wonders for you. And they've got him now, and we've seen it in the final. He just gets in players' heads. Whether you like him or not, you think he's a wanker or not, he gets in players' heads, and he's absolutely elite. He is elite. He's the, I'd say he's the keeper you'd least like to be facing in a penalty shootout. If you're playing them in penals, I think players are half-beaten when they're going to penals. I'd say when they're all talking around and they're saying, right, I'll go first, I'll go second. I'd say, it's like, for fuck's sake, get them short straws out here because I'm only going if I have to go because this fucker, I hate to see players missing penals and shootouts in World mm. Cup finals especially because they can get absolutely pilloried. You know, Gareth Southgate being one. Um, Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. 
It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When Chilmeny went up to take that panel. <laughs> and I'm oh, looking actually at said it everyone here, he's missing. He is missing he this. And then way too long to think about it. Emmy's in there throwing the ball away on him. He's in his face. He's doing everything what, we, to him. We were watching it here and I, I said to everyone in the room, I said, he's missing that penalty. It, it's taken way too long since the last yeah. penalty for him to get that ball on the spot. Never mind yeah. take it. But, but the other thing about that is that, you know, we, we speak about Alisson all the time and when players are one-on-one with him and this big yeah. big fella all dressed all in black comes out right like the bleeding yeah. military man coming out with your right <laughs> and he's making the goal so small and you know you have to hit that square than the net to beat him yeah. that's what's happening with this this fella yeah. in penalties because they're all saying I usually just put that a foot inside the post with power and I know I'm grand and they can't they're trying yeah. to absolutely put it in certain squares of the net and that's and listen, he doesn't have to make saves then because he yeah. knows if they go, you know, one degree the wrong way either side, it's either going wide or I'm getting my hand to it. You exactly. know what I mean? And it's it all in his head. He, I think he was absolutely huge. But talk to me about the midfield. The big boys is sorry in the penalty shootouts. The likes of Mbappe and he nearly saved two Mbappe penalties in the shootout and in the the fourth one because mm. he guesses the right way. If, he, if any keeper doesn't go the right way, he's never going to make a save. But when he's guessing the right way, it's not the, the big players that you get in the head of. It's not the Mbappes, but it's the others below that. And that's where he played and gets them all the time. You know, he gets in their heads and it's it's just so hard. But he was brilliant for them. We're going to go with Messi again in a minute, but he was brilliant for them. Their midfield. Which they change around after the first game, yeah. by the way. Well, they get beaten by Saudi Arabia. And in that game, they start off with Paredes, Paul, and... Predish and is it Predish, the Paul and I'll have to check that out. Papu Gomez plays, but he's up front. Papu Gomez, Messi, and oh yeah, it is yeah, Messi, Papu Gomez, and Di Maria, and then Letaro Martinez is the centre yeah. forward. So you know, it's it's. I was looking at that and I'm like, oh, this team looks a bit bleeding. But anyway, they play. They're not great. And Scaloni makes the big calls. We spoke about this last night. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid. He takes out Paredes. He takes out Papu Gomez. He takes out um, other players. Lotaro. That's a big, huge call to do that. Let's be honest. It's a big, big But call. he not only takes them out, Keith, right? He takes them out after the beating. So you could. it's easy for a player or those three or four, whoever's taking out the turn, go, I'm being made yeah. a scapegoat here in Argentina by this fella, right? It's yeah. easy to say that. But when you look at them, they all turn up in the tournament, game on game as subs, and absolutely run their arse off. Yeah. Like it's and John says it there, Scaloni seems to have a great team spirit with the Argentina squad. Trust me, there's a vast majority of squads in that tournament that if four players were whipped after the first game because you lost to Saudi Arabia, they'd all be yeah. crying and moaning and it'd be being leaked to the press and it'd be fall asunder. He seems to have got it where one he finds the right mix because I think um Enzo and um, DePaul and uh, Lex McAllister were just like played lovely football at times. You've seen it in the goal you get against France in the final, but they absolutely are willing to go to war against you. And that suited Messi in particular down to the ground because he knew he had three fellas behind him that were just going every last sinew was going on getting anything they could out of that midfield. 
and getting it to the boys up front. Alvarez yeah. is huge as well, that changes. 100%, yeah, 100%. Owen Bork says it there, Rodrigo De Paul gave everything throughout the tournament. He deserves it as much as anyone. And I couldn't agree more because I'm looking at their team. Yeah, and I'm looking at it and I'm like, I don't know about De Paul. I think he's one that, that could be out of that team, blah, blah. He fucking runs his ass off. He's a dartboard. He's a... He's not afraid. I'm going to say he's a dartboard. I just mean he's not afraid to do the dirty walk, the graft. He takes a lot of kicks. He takes, he's in there. You know, he's in the battle all the time and he's just brilliant. But when they found that sort of, um, that that midfield three, Enzo Fernandez, and look, Enzo Fernandez is a brilliant player. Alexis McAllister is a brilliant player. These were inexperienced lads that came in. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like he's he's bringing in safe bets when he's putting these boys into the team. Like Enzo Fernandez is a player that I'd class as a, a number eight type of midfielder. You know, box to box can do mm-hmm. it. He was brilliant as the deep line midfielder. Mm-hmm. Fucking brilliant. Safe as houses. Pass the ball. Fearless with it. And when they had to switch him in game from the six to the eight, he's just switching it to the eight and such a good t- technician and tactical player. Um I no bounds about I'd love him at Liverpool. They see the links all the time. It's one that I'd excite yeah. me. But, the one um, thing I did the one thing I did know about him was um I think we've been in the Croatia game. Yeah, they're tuning up, I think, and and Enzo Martinez he I think he does switch from that deeper role and he goes a bit more forward and he breaks twice and he kind of hesitates a bit on that and I'm kind of going, maybe he's just a bit more suited to being deeper, maybe it's a bit of tiredness, but you could see it in him, his running power, um, you could go by a player, you know, I thought McAllister would just never stop, the Paul never yeah. stopped and, and you have to remember, you were talking about Messi slowing down, he's 35 and that's absolutely fine, but you look at the work they put in, no one outran Argentina. No. Nobody ran over the midfield. So yeah, you, you actually had three in midfield there, right? That were doing the walk of four men. Because yeah. Messi was still hanging around in that inside right channel. You had whoever on Di Maria, whoever on the left, you had Alvarez. Alvarez never stopped, in fairness to him. Yeah. But the walk them three put in to compensate for the fact that Messi's not going to charge around and tackle for you. And then being able to get it to him. You can you can tackle all day, but if you can't win a ball and be able to play play angles and play little little balls around the corner to get messy on it. It's pointless. You're only you're only yeah. you're only fighting off you're only fighting firefighting. But I just yeah. thought that midfield was unbelievable. The midfield brilliant. But you know what I'll, and I'll say and Shawnee Lawson was on, on social media today talking about this fella. Angel Di Maria. Angel Di Maria is one of the best players of the last fifteen years. One of the most clutch players of the last few decades. He comes up in the final and scores. I know he does. I, I, no, and, and what Di Maria that. does, what Di Maria does, is the hard work. It's the shit that you don't you don't see. So if you have Messi up front not running, you can't really afford to have another one up there not running. And that's where I think Papu Gomez was never going to fit into that team. Do you know the mobility just wasn't there. You can carry one, you can't carry can't carry more than that. That goal that Di Maria got in the final, and he got the goal that won the Olympics for them, and he got the goal that won the Copa America, yeah. and he scored in the World Cup final, and he was the man of the match in 2014 when Real Madrid won the the tenth Champions League. I think he's a fucking brilliant player. I think he's so underrated. I think he's so important to them because he does a lot of the covering, and even in the final, I thought he was brilliant. And when he went off, not that he went off. I think the just substitution in the final was a stupid one. He just yeah, doesn't have, have it in, the, in his legs to do that much running for 90 minutes. Yeah. But to bring on a Cunha 
it didn't it was a bad it was a bad decision by Scaloni that one. But that but, was his move most of the time. Yeah, but not it usually for Talia Figo, he was usually switching his he'd usually switch his, his full backs one to the other and, and the same yeah. on the right backs, uh, Molina and Montiel yeah. would be but he ends of, up he ends up really with two left backs down the left hand yeah. side. And and Acuna's the, the more attacking one. I just didn't think he got into the game at all. Like yeah. but Dean the goal, Liam Brady I was watching Liam Brady after. Yeah, he said and, it's the best team goal. Best you've seen team goal. Yeah, and and you, you think about that, and obviously the best team goal you'll ever see in the World Cup is Brazil in 1970 when Carlos Alberto scores. It's a it's a magical goal. But Brady was right what he was saying because it's one touch. The only one that's not one touch is Messi, and that's because he just flicks it up and then flicks it, and it's a it's a magical two touches that he takes. Yeah. But it's so quick, it's so incisive. And it's summed up Argentina for me. Do you know what I mean? It's it's Alexis McAllister. Let's be honest, he's come out of nowhere. He's he's absolutely cool. and he's Irish as well, so we'll take him. He's come yeah, out of nowhere. Right. He's he's set one up on a play for Di Maria. I was chatting online earlier, and I think it was could have been Stephen Murphy was asking, did, did he mean the finish? Did he mean the finish? Of course he did. Balls of steel. Angel Di Maria does not play and mess it. Mm-hmm. he's he's the man you want on the end of them. But the, but the funny thing about the goal is we're, we're talking about how hard he worked, right? But if you watch that, France have the ball in the left back position. They're pressed, right? It's knocked in towards the middle of the park. Argentina win it, right? Yeah. So so Argentina's midfielders are pressing this. Comes into the midfield, gets to Messi, he flicks around the corner. Who's gone running? McAllister's gone running. Now McAllister's probably the man pressing. And then Alvarez, he's, is it? Or Alvarez. But, but what I'm saying Messi is to Alvarez, Alvarez, Alvarez. Yeah, Malvarez then onto McAllister. What I'm saying is the press is there. So that midfield, not only you'd forgive them for being behind Messi and going, right, we're protecting this, get it to Messi, and then the lads will do all the thing. But they press, they win, and then he's gone beyond them. He's actually gone beyond them to give it to, to Di Maria. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's. I just thought they were brilliant. But listen, we're running out of time. So, um, Lionel Messi. I it's think... Four hours on. Now, listen, I can't do four hours, but... Myself, Shawnee, and Veranda Chase um, are having this argument like weeks about is he the best, is he not? Veranda Chase stands by the fact that he thinks Maradona is the best player that's ever played the game, right? And he sticks by it and stuff like that. I think what happens there on Sunday crowns him as the best player that's ever been. And Shawnee has yeah. said, no, 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 you know, he's the best player that's ever been regardless of what happens Sunday. Yeah. And you can absolutely be with that argument. But for me, I think it ends it. The fact that yeah. you can't hold any fucking tournament against them now. You can't yeah. hold anything against them. The longevity of it, the goals. Now, I don't know. I think I've seen something like... Did someone say he's played a thousand games? Yeah, yeah. He played his thousand games during the World Cup. Where, where has he played a thousand games? Club games. And he's playing for Barcelona since he's fucking 18. Yeah, I don't know. know well, but anyway, maybe he's and he plays. He's one of them. It's like Salah with Liverpool. Plays every game. Do you know what I mean? Doesn't yeah. get injured. I just think the longevity of it, the individual awards, the... The, the the team the teams he's been in the, the teams yeah. he's won the fact that he goes and does a cup at America and then follows up or woke up I I think I think he's the best player that's ever lived I I think he's the best player ever and I agree that doesn't and you're a, you like you adore Maradona I adore Maradona yeah I adore Maradona and and that's the thing right so we done a show a few weeks ago about Liverpool um, greatest ever players and I put Kenny Daglish ahead of Steven Gerrard and I sort of said like it's held against Steven Gerrard that he didn't get that Premier League title you know he slips against Chelsea and he doesn't get that and it gets held against him 
And whether he's a better, it doesn't make him any better or worse. You know, that doesn't make Steven Gerrard a worse player or a better player. He was fucking an elite player. Messi would have had that held against him as well if he didn't get over the line in these international mm-hmm. tournaments. People used to, and, and forgetting about Maradona, like what does my head in is the Ronaldo debate because there's no debate there. Do you know what I mean? People used to shite about, oh, well, Ronaldo done it in different ways. I think Ronaldo, so I think Ronaldo so was one of the best goal scorers you've ever seen. And I yeah. think Messi is just all around, he's just the best player you've ever seen. I but think... Messi's goal ratio oh, in his thousand games is better than Ronaldo's. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But Ronaldo, well, Ronaldo has a few years before he yeah. really kicks I, I, in. But I, I, that's what I'm saying. I think, I think when I look at Ronaldo, if Ronaldo remained as a wide forward and done them sort of numbers, you go, that's fucking scandalous. But he doesn't. Yeah. He leaves Manchester United and we're in a year or two. He's in 2011, he's I think forward, he's, he's yeah. a centre forward. So he's been a centre forward yeah. for 10 years. Half of his career, more than half of his career. You know, so. And in fairness to Ronaldo, you know what I mean? He's tort, what's he, 38, 37, 38, I don't know. Yeah. You know, he scored a lot of goals last year for United. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't do the play. Scored a lot at Juventus, but wasn't improving the team. And that's, that's where it falls down. He, he's all about, he'll get his, the team will suffer. You know, he went to, they say, you know, Messi didn't go out of Barcelona. And then he went to Barcelona. Ah, oh, but it's the PSG, it's a farmer's league. But they would crow about Ronaldo going to Juventus when they'd won five series on the trot. You know what I mean? Like so, players are not stupid. There's only certain teams these lads can go to, so they're not well, going to bleed. Part, part of me is though, right? I, I think that does crown him as the best player that's ever played. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, and I I understand Maradona played for slightly lesser teams. You see what he done at Napoli. Um, you know, he's in he's in decent. He's I think it's a good Argentina team in '86 when you look back, yeah. right? Right, but. You know, it's probably three or four years for me where you see Maradona as, you know... 86 to 90. Maybe five years, right? 86 to 90. Yeah, but what I'm saying is when I look at Messi and what he's done, and people would say, oh, he's at Barcelona. Yeah, but he's gone through quite an evolution at Barcelona. He's gone through the likes of Roy Card, and, you know, there's been loads of different variations of Barcelona. Yeah. And he's just been the fulcrum for them. But at the end of the day, right, (laughs) if you said to me, do you want to sit down and watch fucking videos of Maradona or... Are messy. I'll just go I'll just watch both because they're fu- yeah. they're outrageous. Like and genuine, I could watch a three four minute video of Maradona tomorrow. And go, oh hold on, he's actually fucking. You know what I mean? Like he, it, maybe 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 the comparison is too much. But another thing, Keith, and this is what I wanted to bring you on to: the expectancy on Messi with that Maradona shadow hanging yeah, over exactly from literally the start that, of his yeah. career, right? Yeah. I think that's, that's probably one. what seals it. Actually, the fact yeah. that he's actually done this with Maradona on his shoulder for his whole career. I think that just shows what he is. Yeah. Well, you see, that's it. Look, Maradona came, Maradona came through with Argentinos juniors and he's, he's only a kid. He's 16. He's in the first team and, and he doesn't make the 78 world cup. I think he's 17 at that stage. And, and there's all outcry because they know this is the new Pele. This is the next Pele. But the scrutiny wasn't there. The, the social media wasn't there. The, the the media in general wasn't what it is now. Now, people always use this argument, and I don't like this argument. Yeah, but Maradona was getting the shit kicked out of him. That was the times. Do you know what I mean? Like that was If, if you drop Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo or Neymar or any of these modern players, and they grew up in the 70s into the 80s, they'd be getting kicked and they'd be playing. they tailor the game. The same way Maradona playing, the people say, oh, Maradona on these pitches not being protected. 100% he'd be brilliant. And would he have fallen down the traps of, of the cocaine and, and everything else? Maybe not in the modern game with the, the, the scrutiny that's there. 
But Maradona's peak, you know, he, he, he does it in Argentina, brilliant. He goes to Barcelona and he never lives up to the hype there and he breaks his leg and it's fucking butchered. It's butchered the fella does. Goes to Napoli and not that too much gets made in Napoli because they, they weren't, he goes there in 86, I think after, is it 86 or he goes before there? But he win the league, at, I think 86, 87. And it's it's a team of all Italians, you know, it's it's not a, a, a cosmopolitan team. It's, it's all Italians, they win the league. They win it again a couple of years later. At that stage, Kareca is there, Alan May was there. Good Brazilian players are in that team. You have to remember as well, Serie A, you can only have three foreign players back yeah. then two or three in, in the team like so it was predominantly you know Italian players it was a tough league it was a tough league Hellas Verona won that league in 85 the only time they've ever won the league so people use the argument that oh Napoli got them from nowhere and they won the league Hellas Verona won it in 85 with Preben Elkjaer Danish striker and, and um, Hans-Peter Briegel German guy at the back it was it was a great show. I'm not trying to diminish the Napoli thing, but I think people overhype it maybe a bit. He done brilliant. He carried them. Not only did he win two league titles, they were there or thereabouts as well. Do you know what I mean? They were challenging AC Milan. It was a tough, tough time. I'm not trying to diminish what he done, but it's over by 1990, 91. Do you know what I mean? 1990, really, it's over after the World Cup from. So it's such a condensed, short period of time. Now, as God-given talents, and, and what I think it is with Maradona, Everyone loves a rogue. We all love a rogue. I'd rather go for a point with Maradona than Messi. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Seven days a week, twice on Sundays. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, so I think that plays into it. He's the, the street baller. He's, he's got the... He's a flawed character. And we all love flawed characters. Let's be honest about what we do. But Messi has played, not even from day one at Barcelona, from fucking day one at Newell's Old Boys when he was 12 or 10 or whatever. He's been the next Maradona, the next Maradona, the next Maradona. And so many players have done that. And we've seen a crush players, great players. Ariel Ortega, the next Maradona, crushed. Great career. Raquel May, the next Maradona, couldn't do it. You know what I mean? Like, so it's it's heavy as the blade and short. Not, never mind heavy as the crown. Like heavy as the number 10 short at Argentina. And then Messi comes along. And you're talking about 17 years. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I think this is his 17th season and he's winning the World Cup. And he's not just a passenger. Do you know what I mean? He's not winning the World Cup while everyone else is doing the work. He's played the tournament. He won the golden golden ball. He deserved it. Mm. He's still producing magic at this age. It's just different magic. It's 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 more controlled magic and 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 maybe less frequent than but it was. It, but it's very but it's very similar to what what, what you're seeing with Maradona because Mar, when Mar, like I see massive comparisons with Messi and Maradona, and it's easy too because. Maradona, you know, if you go back to '86 and he and that run he, and that goal he scores against England, not the first one where he out jumps Peter yeah. Shilton, but the but second I love one, that. right? With the second one, yeah. right? Um, and then you look at Messi. There's one he scores for Barcelona where he gets around the right wing and yeah. he just goes past all the, the exact same carbon copy. Yeah, and he goes around the keeper and he scores right. And the, all these comparisons, left footed, that balance where he can go by either side, yeah. you know, um, can see a pass, everything you can see. And the comparisons are there. And, you know, it's hard at times where you look at the pitches in the 80s and the 70s or wherever it might be. But but for me, just... I think, overall, with Messi, what he's achieved in the game, how long he's achieved it, and what he has had to follow... Yeah, every day. ...makes him, I think... I think, I think he's the best. 
I think he's the best. But I but I'll happily watch. I'll happily oh. sit there with six cans and watch an hour of Maradona with you. Like, you know I, I mean? think, you know, Pele as well gets, Pele was an absolute pioneer and he gets forgotten about all the time in this great, the three of them are the three greatest players ever to do the game and it's a, a cyclical thing. Pele comes along, everything every player does now, Pele done 50, 60 years ago. You know, overhead kicks, Rabonas, you fucking name it, Pele is doing this in the black and white days. Maradona follows on from that, but Pele is the clean, wholesome, you know what I mean? He's, He's the, the stand-up guy, whereas Maradona comes in and, you know, Bertie Volks, what's it, I never get this right, Bertie Volks, Keegan's pocket, said Maradona used to be the halftime entertainment as a 10-year-old and they delay the second half until he done all sides. From a kid, you know, Maradona was just put out there and the pressure on him was huge, but it was a different pressure, you know what I mean? And, and whoever it is, if you're watching any of these players, you can have that argument whether you prefer Maradona or... I just think Maradona played six games in the European Cup. Now, I know it was different back then. You know, it was straight knockout. But he only in his career played six games in the European Cup. He won the World Cup in 86. People say it was a shit Argentina team. That's a bit disingenuous because, again, a lot of players played domestically in those days. You know, there wasn't many that were going. He was playing for Napoli. or I think he was at Napoli at that stage. I think he went to Napoli in 84. So he was at Napoli at that World Cup, and I think Valdano was at Real Madrid, and there was probably only two other players, Burichaga could have been at Valladolid, and someone else, there was maybe four or five that were playing outside Argentina, but they were all solid players, you know what I mean, and they had a good coach as well in Carlos Bellardo, so they were a good team, a good group, good unit, and Maradona carries them, that World Cup, let's be honest, Messi was brilliant in this World Cup, it's a lot of penalties, but Maradona in 86 was just out of this world outrageous mm-hmm. you know what I mean and, and no one can argue with that yeah if you if you get a chance to go and watch videos of Maradona at the 86 World Cup genuinely the one the, the clip that goes around where he sets up all the chances and they missed them all oh yeah they that's yeah. outrageous yeah. the stuff he's doing yeah. putting her on plates for lads it's yeah. just he, he goes down the wing and one and they're trying to murder him and he yeah. gets right to the end line pass across this fella's out in front of the goal just just kicks her out for a fucking it's mad this shit yeah. when you think about what it, it would is, have been, but yeah. I, I just think listen it's probably one of those where in time I'll probably just run and go I don't really fucking care who's the best bro but they're yeah. both brilliant watch them both like longevity my, my son is three right nearly three if he comes up to me in five years time and says oh Messi and, and Maradona what? who's the best to go just go and watch them both because mm. you, there's no harm in it, trust me. Yeah. Um, but what you what you'll see from both is very similar in the way they played yeah. left footed and all that. Um, just it's just um, yeah, it's ah, crazy. It's scary the comparisons. I'm it is just scary had the comparisons, but I think I think and... I I just think the longevity and the fact that he's yeah. done it under under those circumstances with who he has to follow. I just think it's just phenomenal. He's he's played over a thousand games, so I think he. Probably only a thousand and three. I think it was during the World Cup, the, the knockouts, he played his thousand game or something like that. And he's got like a thousand one hundred and something goal and assists. So he's got like fucking Yeah, goal involvement, yeah. Goal involvement. He's you know, over a thousand. Like yeah. this is the epitome of consistency yeah. for seventeen years. Do you know what I mean? Like he is slowing down now. But he's changed his game now. He's tailored his game. He's, he went into uh, PSG and he's, he's a different Messi now. But he's still horsing the assists out of it. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's an outrageous consistency for 17 years. Yeah. It's And like you said, it's not like it's not like someone that is a workhorse midfielder where you go, he's been around for 17 years and he's just yeah. consistently been a very good 
number six, six out of ten or a very good a seven out of ten number eight do you know what i mean yeah. this fella is just being ridiculous for 17 years and like all, just everything he's done everything do you know what i mean he's absolutely yeah. done everything but listen at the end of the day you might go maradona you might go messi but trust me i'll accept that yeah i won't accept go, cristiano ronaldo no 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 go go that. and watch go and watch both of them and um but genuinely maradona in the 86 world cup is scandalous yeah. uh, the more i think of it now it's actually scandalous um 792 goals and a thousand two appearances so yeah, and, and and yeah, 300 and odd yeah, assists yeah but look um crazy. i really enjoyed that going to the winners and losers of the world cup um, yeah it's, it's been, been it's been on you um as i said i wasn't expecting to watch much of this world cup because i didn't have the appetite or the hunger for it going in mm. the ironic coming from me i didn't have the hunger but I've yeah. come out of it. So I've come out of it. I was going to laugh at you, but I'm the same yeah. one. <laughs> there you go. Um, I've come out of it with the 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 best feeling in in sport that I've had as a fan. Look, I make no bounds about. It. I'm a huge Messi fan. I'm a huge Argentine football fan. This is the best result that could have been for me. You know, outside Ireland doing that, and, and we all know, you know, that'll just be getting out of the group someday. But you know, don't knock the Irish because we fucking give it a good bash when we're there. This is the best feeling in sport outside of Liverpool winning the league or the Champions League for me. And it, it just topped off. It was the thing that I said in the very first game. Argentina got beaten by Saudi Arabia. You said when Argentina said, go out, you won't watch anymore. Yeah, I won't. And and I said at the I tweeted at the time, I said, Look, that's a terrible. They have to change. They have to change. When they're gone, I'm, I'm not watching. And they got better and better and better. And and it that was what kept me in, kept me in. You know what I mean? Morocco, we spoke about, loved them. Loved what they done. Croatia, poxy games, but they had heart and fight. Loved them. Loved what they bring to the table. But it was all about Argentina for me. It was all about Messi. It was all about, you know, the, the, the finally the only thing, getting the only thing over I missed, The only thing I missed from why I would have loved to see a Brazil-Argentina semi-final. Yeah, but you know, I was more worried about the Croatia-Argentina myself. But yeah, because yeah, I, I, felt, I, did, I did feel that Croatia would have been a harder game. Yeah, you know, I felt he was more tactically hard, yeah, 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 and more disciplined in, in yeah, disciplined seeing yeah, exactly. what, they, what they were trying to do. Um, this is probably our last show between me and you before Christmas, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, are you gonna have a nice Christmas? Do me best, yeah, yeah. do me best. It's Die Hard 2, a Christmas film, fucking is, yeah, we of course it is. It, it has it. snow in it. It's that Christmas from anyone that anyone that utters the words overarching can fuck off. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, it's a Christmas yeah. film. The snow, HR letter getting issued the snow does Christmas trees. It's a Christmas film. Um, yeah. But anyway, um, we, will we go out in January for a point? I think we will, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think we should. Mid-January, when everyone else is yeah. fucking sick of Christmas and drinking, we'll just go out and have a lovely day out, will we? Yeah, I think will, we will, yeah. Will we go not? to Ryan's and have a lovely load of points against us? Yeah. 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 And then we, we could do to, What's that place beside it, the burger place? Is it Bunsen? Uh, Next door? That's, is it? I don't know. But we'll find somewhere to eat as we'll well. Yeah. And we bring Shawnee as well. Yeah, well, he lives up that neck. And and of, we bring a load of Lawson's with us, will we? Yeah, the Lawson's are great. Yeah, they're, they're always great. Yeah, always better crack all the Lawson's. Anyway, um, that has been Winners and Losers, your World Cup edition with thanks to bookmakers.com. Um, rest of the week, um, what day is today, Monday? Monday? Tomorrow I'm doing the Liverpool History This Week show. Um, I'm going to do it live tomorrow. So people can get involved and tell me what they think. So I'm going to have to research that tonight and tomorrow. Um, Wednesday, we will be doing the midweek fix where we'll preview Man City in the League Cup. Thursday, we'll do full-time Reds. Um, after the 
game against Man City. Friday will be the Friday forecast where we're going to look forward to the Premier League games on Boxing slash Stevens's Day, whatever you like to call it. And um, we'll be off Saturday, we'll be off Sunday. We should be back Monday with a full-time Reds after the game away at Villa. Thanks yeah. to Keith, thanks to Gav. I've been great, he's been great. The chat has been amazing as always. Not enough people hitting the like button, but look, let me can fucking do better. Yeah, at um, this stage. No, there's, 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 you, keep, you keep asking them. You, keep you keep ask them, asking them. Yeah. Don't bother That's it. Talk to you in a bit. Over and out. Podcast Network.